You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians Daily. I'm your host, Sarah Brady Wagner, and I am here today with my buddy, Dan Johnson. You want to say hi to everybody? Uh, Hi to everybody. Happy to be here. So Dan is here today to talk with us about an exciting bill that we're actually going to try and push forward in North Carolina, but has a nice story kind of behind it that can be applicable to hopefully more states and is a wonderful, like, heartwarming libertarian anarchist uh, stream to it of (laughs) take money away from the government and give it to people who are doing better. Uh, Yeah, so um, uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, as she mentioned, my name's Dan. I uh, uh, have done most of everything in politics, uh, most of it unsuccessfully, but I've tried. Uh, So petitions, protests, uh, used to run an activist training center for a while. Many people know me from um, People Against the NDAA or Panda, which I used to run. Um, And after more or less uh, six to seven years or so, God, it's been that long. <laughs> yeah, but you're so young. This is what Trish, like, I feel so inadequate, man. Well, well, well like, I, I, I hesitate to say my entire adult life, because then people realize how young I am, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, see, not everybody's going to have the video, so you just have to that, sound mature. That's true. That That is very true. It's very important. <laughs> um, but, uh... So uh, I ran several organizations, including a tax reform group, civil liberties organization, and an activist training center. And through all of that came to what I think to a lot of people is already kind of a duh, but uh, was really is really profound for the political space, which is actually our solutions can't come from the government. Uh, and when government provides certain solutions, so uh, whether it's air traffic control, which I don't know if we should take away from the government right now, um, or it's uh, uh, food stamps or food security, homelessness, you know, pick a social issue, pick a, a human need that is out there. The uh, regardless of what it is, when you ask government to do something, we have a lot of talk about should government do something? Should they do it? Should they not? What we don't talk about often enough is what happens when they do. And really the genesis of We Do Better, which the we does not stand for me and my compatriots, the we stands for we the people. I think we should clarify that's there that's an organization here. That's your that's Correct. your baby here that you're here to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh We Do Better is a five oh one C three nonprofit. Uh please donate at we do better.org slash donate. But the uh, uh the idea behind We Do Better was this realization that uh, myself and uh, Robin Kerner, uh, who was who's amazing at uh talking to both sides of the aisle and mark my marketing director at the time came up with this kind of chart in which we in a, in a very libertarian fashion tried to figure out what was what were the fundamental flaws when you ask government to deliver a public service what happens and we found things like every single time you ask government to provide a public service you will have more waste every single time you ask government to provide a public service uh, you will have resources that don't go to the results. So if anybody has ever heard of a tax being lowered because the tax didn't do what they said it would do, please let me know because I'm, I'm not aware of it. But uh, and, and one of the most important things as well is when we ask government to meet a human need, 
uh, we actually, uh, it crowds out or it reduces our desire to act on our compassion. You know, we are a fairly compassionate people in this country. If you just go by the amount donated to nonprofits, the amount of volunteer hours that people spend in this country, we're one of the most generous countries in the world. Uh, however, when we ask government to take over those human needs, because A, people think, well, the government's doing it. You know, why do I have to help the homeless guy on the side of the road, right? The government's doing it. That doesn't make any sense. Um, and also just this inherent desire to not really like a system when the system takes money from you and puts it places you don't think that money should be spent. And just this realization that if we want real solutions in this country, uh, we want people to stop just bickering and we want, uh, we, we actually care about people, then we need to put our, uh, compassion forward and, uh, drop our uh, ideological commitment to certain things and just realize that, Right now in this country, there are so many people, organizations, companies that are delivering on human needs better than government programs. Not someday, not when the free market takes over and, and you know, uh, Rothbard comes back. But right now, today, there are organizations in America, in North Carolina, around the country that are delivering human needs better. And we want to connect people to them and we want to empower people to send their tax dollars to them. So I feel very, very motivated now. It's it's very exciting. Uh, but well, like, what is specifically you want people to be able to send their tax dollars there? What do we get? Do we finally get that the idea of where instead of having to just pay our taxes to an open fund, we're all going to have like our church offering card and select exactly where it's going to go? Is that what we're thinking? Or? So, so kind of. Uh, so uh, uh, no one in politics likes to rock the boat ever. Yes. So one of the things that we love to do is try to find what are examples that already exist, right? And so when we introduced a bill in California last year, uh, we had an example of an organization that already existed, which was, um, we had several anti-human trafficking organizations, uh, uh, one of which I don't remember off the top of my head, Generate Hope. Generate Hope is an anti-human trafficking organization in San Diego, California. And uh, it's about, I'm going to rough these numbers, but it's about $17,000 to send a woman through their program and like help her reintegrate back in society. San Diego is one of the human traffic capitals of the world because of their port and because of their easy access to the border and things like that. And, uh, uh, or the state of California could throw that woman in jail for <laughs> prostitution and uh, it would cost the taxpayers about $45,000 per year. Wow. For that process. So, uh, I mean, inefficiency, but when you put it in numbers like that, wow. And and don't just think about it in numbers, which libertarians might often do, but think about it in people. So, you have one woman who's supposedly being helped by being thrown in jail somehow. Supposedly being helped, but let's just just assume that she is being helped through that process. Personal anecdote says it, it doesn't. Personal but, anecdotes, you know. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's suspend our disbelief for the sake of the story. Suspend our disbelief and uh, assume that the state knows what's best. And we <laughs> we look. At, I don't know. You have to suspend a lot of disbelief here, but just like, assume that that is good for the them. Mic. What? Sorry, just pause. You want to adjust the mic? You keep you keep looking towards me. So here, I'm going to adjust the okay. mic towards cool. so that. We can just get more consistent sound. Yep. 
I like looking at people and talking. I understand. I, I immediately I was like, oh, that's my fault. I should have, I should have accounted for that. <laughs> you know, while I'm up, I'll find, just well make sure the video didn't mess up too. See, this is the parts that you cut out, mm-hmm. but that apparently makes for why the video part is exciting and wonderful is it shows you the human parts of it. Right, right. Yeah, parts <laughs> where we're like, oh crap, that work. <laughs> so. Uh, so uh, let's just assume that this is actually helping that woman. Uh, well, uh, if you look at the difference in price, you got, let's say you throw her in jail for four years. You're, you're looking at $200,000, $250,000 for four years. Uh, that is spent on one woman. When you could spend that on five, on 10, on 15, how many more women could be helped out of the trauma of human trafficking through Generate Hope or an organization like that? with your dollars that uh, instead of doing that, we're, we're putting one woman in a system where let's be honest, is act, isn't actually going to help. Uh, you know, there's, there's not uh, PTSD therapy programs in, in jail. Uh, in fact, it's, it probably causes PTSD uh, in a lot of people. They definitely do some things that exacerbate it. They, they definitely do some things that exacerbate it. Uh, and so whether it's organizations like that, or food banks, or disaster relief organizations, you can find a list of over 35 different organizations around the country that we've kind of looked at the data and seen that they deliver objectively better results than the government programs. And you can look at that at wedobetter.org. That, uh, first of all, letting people know these organizations exist and that they're out there. But uh, secondly, the uh, state, local, and federal governments, what they spend are projected to spend in 2019 is about 6.1 trillion dollars for the human services sector of nonprofits which are primarily the nonprofits that are out there helping people and, and doing what needs to be done uh, people gave uh, less than 200 billion dollars to that sector and while they met may sound like a lot 6.1 trillion to 200 billion is not even a close story. No. Uh, and uh, what we looked at and, and goes, it doesn't matter how great these organizations are, and they're great organizations, but it doesn't matter how great they are. If they don't have the resources and the government has the resources, people are going to go get mediocre help from government programs, if it's help at all. Get mediocre help from government programs when they could be transforming their lives through these nonprofits, these organizations. And uh, we went, well, what if there was a way to, I don't know, take some of the dollars the government otherwise would get and send it to them instead? And uh, then we came across the Arizona Charitable Credit. And some very smart people uh, before us at the Beacon Hill Institute had come up with this idea of, well, you can direct up to 200 of your tax dollars in Arizona. It passed in 1997. So for over 20 years, people have been able to direct 200 of their tax dollars to any organization that serves the poor in Arizona. And this, has the government broken? The government has not broken. Uh, and Damn. You know, <laughs> it hasn't fallen apart. But the Democratic, and it's been supported by Republicans and Democrats. Uh, the Democrats, uh, the, ba- the base loves it. Democratic politicians, not so much. You know, I have a friend who always says that bipartisan is a terrifying word because anytime you say bipartisan, my wallet gets lighter. But I think this is a one, maybe one of the rare situations in which it's like, well, maybe some nuance to that. 
it's one of the rare situations where uh, it's also one of the rare situations where a liberty oriented piece of legislation. You actually taking money the government would otherwise use either on waste, if you're really skeptical, on waste and corruption. If you're really optimistic, just not doing as good of a job. Um, you're able to take that money and then direct it to an organization that does better. Well, uh, this is one of the only liberty pieces of legislation that got better over time. Because it was $200 per person in 1997. As of 2016, is now $400 per person. It now includes foster uh, care agencies as well, instead of just uh, non uh, nonprofits that serve the poor. And uh, it's been continually getting easier administratively to use. Uh, you used to have to let... All you have to do with a credit, by the way, for those who don't understand how a credit works, is... Uh, you donate the money, and at the end of the year, you tell the government you did that. That's all. They never get their hands on the money in the entire process. And uh, while I've heard lots of ideas from libertarians about, well, we should just have tax resistance. Everybody should just stop paying their taxes. Imagine what would change. If you make it legal to do that, and better yet, you send those dollars to helping people who otherwise would have to rely on the government, you're winning twice, and... Uh, you're doing it in a legal way so that most people will actually join you. Yeah, it seems like a really good, a concrete step towards that as an ideal, at least to me, because that's, that's always the pushback that you get from that is, oh, well, if we didn't have government doing these services, they wouldn't get done. And libertarians love to point to like, well, there are volunteer charities or, well, there would be a charity that would come up to to magically supply that. But, you know, there, I think there's a legitimate concern. Well, how would they get funded? So this kind of gives you that that middle ground. But Dan, I have a question. Don't don't these nonprofits have the ability to like get money from the government already? Can't they apply for grants? Why why isn't that good enough? Well, uh, if you like only politically connected nonprofits uh, who do what the politicians want them to do to get money, then you might be right. And there are several organizations out there. I won't name names. Uh, actually, I will. The American Red Cross is more of a government agency than a nonprofit. It's always thrown out as like this example of a bad nonprofit. It was literally created by congressional charter. Okay, like the the the, uh, uh, the president of the American Red Cross used to get chosen by the president of the United States. Oh wow, I didn't know that. The, their their bill they their office is paid for by U.S. tax dollars by law. They're not a nonprofit; they're a government agency. There are nonprofits out there that uh, have done things that aren't as good, and uh, when you look at those no where's the nonprofits receive their funding? It's almost always from a government agency. See, government isn't the problem. The way government is funded is the problem. When uh, uh, you fund a private organization, so like think of the military industrial complex. Those are a lot of private companies, Raytheon, Boeing, uh, and uh, they all receive hundreds of millions, if not billions of, of your tax dollars. <laughs> to go off and kill people in the Middle East or, or in Europe or whatever. Uh, well, those organizations are subject to the exact same flaws that the government is, the same way that a nonprofit is when it's funded by the government. It's not what you call it. You can call the building whatever you want. When you don't have to earn the dollars based on your results, you will act like a government. <clears throat> and so, uh, yes, there are ways for nonprofits to get grants, uh, but uh, the question is, do you want politicians deciding how we meet human needs, most of whom are lawyers? Uh, no offense to, well, some offense to lawyers, but not that much offense to lawyers. But 
how would you possibly expect a lawyer to know how to, you know, feed someone or how to help someone uh, get independence on food security, uh, how to help someone get off the street uh, as a homeless person and, and gain necessary skills? It's a problem to, of central planning. It's a problem of central planning, right? The lack of knowledge problem. And uh, what we're saying is, look, uh, we want a real test. We're not saying privatize everything and, and go out and, and do nonprofits. We think in a lot of ways that's going to be pretty good. But we just want to test. We want you to say, look, if we pass, we got a bill in North Carolina, I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. But if we pass a charitable credit in a state and we say these people are allowed to send 200, 400, 500 of their tax dollars to a nonprofit if they want, and nobody in that state believes that the nonprofits can do better than the government, guess what? Nothing changes. But if everyone believes, hey, this is a real problem, things change very quickly. So what this does is it puts the uh, real competition in to statism to say, look, you choose who does a better job. And uh, once you make that choice, we'll respect it. But I think uh, based on the results in Arizona, where in 2016, 137,000 people sent $52 million to these organizations, we're going to see people start to direct their dollars where they're going to make the most impact. And uh, I think that's really key. We're not taking away anything. We're not cutting anything. We're not changing anything. We're allowing the people of that state to make that choice. And what did uh, the the little placard on Ron Paul's desk say? Don't steal. The government hates competition. Yes. We're finally introducing competition. And we'll see how, how libertarian people really are. Well, you know, that's, that's terrifying, though, because what if we just find out that everybody's a bunch of statists and nobody really wants efficiency? Well, then I guess you have to get a lot better at sending that message out, don't we? That's true. That's that's the education portion, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, so the specific North Carolina version, um, I was looking through. It's wonderfully brief. Uh, I'm always a fan of bills that can actually be read. But it's specific. Half a page. Yeah. It specifically allows for uh, volunteer fire departments. What's, mm-hmm. what's the uh, motivation behind that? So uh, when Hurricane Florence hit uh, North Carolina, it was actually supposed to hit my house. Uh, like it was from the, the the coast of Africa all the way to like a couple miles out of North Carolina. Hurricane Florence was going to park her eye directly above my house and uh, she was going to be a category five hurricane. It's a little bit. She chilled a little, but uh, she, she definitely chilled a little bit when she came ashore uh, and she moved south from New Bern to Wilmington, North Carolina. And then she wrecked Wilmington and uh, didn't do too well to New Bern and like a decent amount of North Carolina coast, just kind of wrecked things. And uh, a lot of volunteers, 70% of America's firefighters are volunteer. And most of those volunteer fire departments are nonprofits, 501c3s or 501c4s. Uh, And uh, we're looking at this and going, well, if we want to be prepared in North Carolina for the next hurricane, we want to help the nonprofits like, you know, the Cajun Navy is, is an example, but Liberty Coalition for Disaster Relief, there's a bunch of other organizations that helped people in North Carolina. And they could be food banks. We talked about earlier, like humane societies that took in pets after the hurricane. It really wasn't FEMA. This is not going to shock anybody who who watches your show. FEMA comes in, they do a press conference. That's what FEMA does. Mm -hmm. And they help people fill out paperwork for money from the government. That's what FEMA does. The real work was done by nonprofits and, and rescuers like volunteer firefighters who often were losing their homes 
as this was all going on. And so what, what we've always designed our bills to be is you can donate to any nonprofit that is meeting human needs. And in North Carolina, volunteer fire firefighters are nonprofits in many cases, and they're meeting human needs. And uh, we want those communities to be able to be better prepared. <clears throat> so we added volunteer firefighters uh, to the bill. We would like to make it as broad as possible. You know, we, we don't know what it's going to look like when it goes to the sausage making of the of North Carolina. You know, maybe it'll come out and there's only a couple hundred nonprofits at the end of the day that, that we'll actually be able to donate to. But once you change that dynamic where people are deciding where their money goes instead of the politicians, it doesn't change back. They, they, they have tried to repeal, I don't know how many education credits, not been successful. Uh, there have been multiple repeal attempts on the Arizona charitable credit. The politicians hate it, but taxpayers love it. Nonprofits love it. And the people they're helping, they get, actually get help and they get helped out of their situation. And, uh, they, uh, you know, they're, they're domestic violence victims, they're homelessness or they're homeless. They're, uh, people who just need food. There are food banks in Arizona now that are almost a hundred percent funded by people directing their dollars to them instead of to the Arizona state government. And so what we kind of has to have to ask ourselves is, uh, is it just going to be enough to say, Hey, the free market does a better job or do we need some real action and, uh, some, a real way for people to put their money where their mouth is and at the end of the day, do we have an ideological commitment to the method or do we have a moral commitment to the outcome? And I think we should have a moral commitment to the outcome. And uh, uh, that's what, in many ways, uh, North Carolina House Bill 894, uh, which has five co-sponsors. We're, we're very excited about that. Uh, but it has a little bit of an uphill battle uh, and is starting this year. But maybe, you know, we'll, we'll bring it back every year until they pass it. Persistence. Persistence. Uh, especially when the politicians have to come back to their districts and go, so you don't trust me to like put my money where I believe it's going to be best and you want to represent me? How does that work again? Um, that'll be very fun. But right now I know better. That's what you get from that. Oh, I want them to have to say you that. You know, we're in North Carolina. We have really like blunt politicians. We might get one. You know, we got that in Arizona. We were, we were interviewing a Democratic state senator who was a co-sponsor of doubling that credit. And we figure he's in favor of it. You know, silly us. You're a co-sponsor of, of doubling the credit. You would be in favor of it. He's not. And we had a sit-down interview with him where uh, uh, he was arguing that, well, he supported the credit for political reasons. And what that means is his constituents told him he had to. And Good. Uh, <laughs> gorgeous. And, uh, he's like, well, I, I really believe, and he like had to like make three caveats for like trusting the state to watch over how the money gets spent. He's like, well, you know, people might think we're not really accountable and sometimes we're not, but like at the end of the day, I just don't believe people will follow their dollars to the organizations that are helping people. And it's like, so at the end of the day, because we walked in and, and, and said not, Oh, we we just want like lower taxes or something. We walked in and said, no, no, no. The women and children you keep crowing about, we have a better way to help them. His only response he could possibly pull out was a very uh, diplomatic. The taxpayers are stupid, and when you put politicians in that 
zone, you remove the veneer of like, we actually want to help people and care. And some of them do. And they're co-sponsors of our bill. But for those who aren't, you do what a, what libertarians have been wanting for a long time, which is you remove the I'm just being compassionate veneer and you expose them for the authoritarian that they really are. Put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. All Absolutely. Right. Well, are there any other just examples that you really love of um, organizations that have shown themselves to be phenomenally like head and shoulders above what the government has attempted to do? Yes, there are a lot. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, um, we have several listed on our website. One of them I want to call out. So particularly because I'm on a libertarian show, if I was on a status show, I might, sh- I might talk about like, uh, healthcare and, uh, other things that people are like, oh my God, the government must do it. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we already know the government is the problem in other ways in those you, situations. So, so <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to directly take on law enforcement. Oh, so, uh, there is a, in, in Detroit, uh, in Detroit, Michigan, uh, it is not the safest city in the world. I've heard this. Uh, as someone who grew up in Detroit, or like grew up for the first seven years right outside Detroit, and am a fan of the Detroit Lions, uh, which unfortunately still stands for losing in our new stadium. As, as a Detroit fan and a Detroit native, uh, has particular pertinence to me, but the Detroit Police Department uh, kills... Whether they're um, armed or unarmed or they deserved it or not, the Detroit Police Department kills 28 people a year. Uh, and uh, this is when they're actually responding to calls because there are several parts of Detroit the police department just won't show up. You can call 911 and like in Chicago, they'll just be like, yeah, so you live there? Find somebody else. I think Camden, New Jersey went through that. For at least a period of time, too. Yeah. Canada, New Jersey. It's, it's interesting. There are just areas where the cops will just be like, we'll take the tax money, but we're not coming there. We're, yeah, we're, we're protect and serve, but only if it's safe. Yeah, protect and serve <laughs> the other people. Right, the other people. So um, this guy started, he's a, a former like private security officer. He started the Detroit Threat Management Center. And the Detroit Threat Management Center it has about 20, they call themselves facilitators, because they see their job as not to punish people for crime, which is mainly law enforcement's job, but to prevent the crime from happening in the first place. Why? Because, well, there are some things that can and should be done by nonprofits, uh, where the profit motive actually could be a problem. The law enforcement, the profit motive actually works in the favor of liberty and in the favor of better outcomes because uh, it is fairly unprofitable to kill someone or to go in guns blazing, destroy their house, uh, show up at the wrong house. Especially when you're actually held accountable. Especially when you can be sued. Uh, Fairly unprofitable to do that. So uh, uh, Dale Brown is the guy's name who started the Detroit Threat Management Center. He has some certain rules. He doesn't allow former veterans to work for the Detroit Threat Management Center because of their PTSD and the way they've been taught to uh, the rules of engagement. Uh, And uh, they teach primarily de-escalation techniques, but they are a security service. And uh, uh, I'm not sure if it's gone up, but not too long ago, uh, they... uh, uh, So in, in most of the areas that they've been called into... 
they've been able to reduce crime by 90%. And to the point where businesses and apartment buildings actually like open up in the neighborhoods that they are paid to protect. And they don't just pay, they don't just protect those neighborhoods because they realize the crime comes from neighborhoods that uh, are uh, less able to pay for protection. So they protect those neighborhoods too. And uh, they uh, uh, not just, they're not like RoboCop, which you might think 90% reduction in crime, like where are they stuffing the bodies, yeah. right? Uh, their organization has only been involved in one fatal shooting in 20 years. Oh, wow. Uh, and that was uh, after uh, the perpetrator shot at, at their facilitators. And uh, they're also uh, not uh, only for Jeff Bezos. It's $10 a month and $10 per call. That's almost reasonable. I mean, it is reasonable. Even, it may be even cheaper than what people pay for the Detroit Police Department. Yeah. So you've I'm got. Like, there are several things that I pay more than that for every month. <laughs> so you've got an organization that is going to show up when they're called, is focused on prevention, is uh, reducing crime by 90% in various areas of the city, and uh, is affordable for people to, to use. They're the type of example that we want people to, to be able to direct their tax dollars to on law enforcement. This isn't just the domain of government. When you introduce the profit motive into law enforcement, you change a lot of things. You change accountability. You know, imagine if Fer in Ferguson, if when the police department decided they were just going to march down the street like an occupying army, people were like, okay, well, we're just not going to pay you next year then, if that's how you're yeah. going to treat us. We'll hire a new police force. Thank you very much. We'll hire a new police force. Thank you very much. This is not just theory. We're not, we can do better. We're not someday, maybe eventually, when the free market is reigns supreme. We are, we do better. And Detroit Threat Management Center is a wonderful example of an organization doing better in Detroit. So now that we have everybody uh, absolutely believing that liberty is possible in our lifetime, <laughs> how can they find you and give you lots of money and support? And what other states, uh, you know, is this also having, you know, a small uprising in as well? Uh, absolutely. So uh, uh, first, I want to briefly mention that uh, we are not only do we empower people to send their tax dollars to these organizations, but we also try to connect people with them. And with that in mind, when we were doing disaster relief in 2017, when Hurricane Harvey hit Texas and Hurricane Maria hit Florida, we uh, had 2 million pounds of disaster relief supplies sitting in a warehouse in Miami The within two or three days after the hurricane. FEMA would not let us ship those supplies for two weeks. And yet... Who was being interviewed on CNN, on Fox, on ABC, NBC, CBS? It was the head of FEMA. Yeah. It was the president of the United States. It was the president of the United States who throws toilet paper rolls at Puerto Ricans when he gets there. And his FEMA chief who's blocking supplies. And it was the mayor of San Juan who wouldn't ship the supplies when they got there because the people shipping the supplies weren't Teamsters. People died. You know, they, they had that... Um, that uh, number of, of dead in the hurricane, it was stuck at like two digits. It was like 67 or 89 or some ridiculous number. Then they started counting again. There were more people dead in some of the hospital morgues that we were delivering supplies to than the official death count for the hurricane was for months. 
the reason those people died, those over a thousand people died, was because FEMA was blocking supplies and because uh, the corrupt mayors in Puerto Rico were making sure the supplies went to their people and not to any of the people who actually needed it. And, I mean, when we went to San Juan in uh, uh, three weeks after the hurricane, we were delivering backpacks of basic supplies three weeks after the hurricane that people did not have. Uh, it was actually, at, well, we went to San Juan, but we went to a, a smaller city, Juncos. And we, like, people looked at us with tears in their eyes because of the backpacks of supplies. Just, like, a little bit of water and a little bit of soap and uh, uh, some, like, emergency food. Like, they had, some of them had gone without food for a week. I mean, this was the situation in Puerto Rico. And at the same time, the news was just, look at the government. Yeah. And uh, we realized that that is a huge problem. And we're not people to watch problems just go on and sit by. Uh, the media has dropped the ball when it comes to uh, showing people where the solutions are. So we're going to pick it up. So on May 15th, we are going to have the first episode of a weekly show, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. It's not a podcast. Uh, it is a video news show, a Facebook Live news show. And it uh, conveniently fits into the schedule and doesn't conflict with any of the We Are Libertarians. Hmm, I wonder. <laughs> it was a good coincidence, at least. It is. <laughs> uh, so, 7 p.m. on Wednesdays, it'll be 30 minutes of... Uh, good news of solutions like we we in our test show recently we dove into firefighting and we talked about rural metro a a a subscription fire service in the western united states that people actually pay a subscription and a private fire department comes out and puts out their fires uh we talked about 40 percent of uh wildfire fighters are private uh firefighters i mean we're talking about solutions that people have implementing right now today and we're going to be doing that every single week on Wednesday. Very excited to launch We Do Better News. Uh, you can learn more about that at wedobetter.org, which is also if you want to see more of the news show, if you want to see more bills like we introduced in California, in Idaho, and in North Carolina, uh, if you want to see more empowerment of people and less just complaining about the government and complaining about some politician and what they said last week, then uh, uh, go to wedobetter.org. Uh, either get involved or click on the donate button. We survive on recurring donations, $5, $10, $15 a month. Helps us keep the show going. Helps us uh, keep our efforts around the country going. And and really just take away from this that, A, there's hope. Uh, that we aren't just uh, completely uh, on defense as a, as a liberty movement. B, that uh, there it's not one day, it's not someday, but right now people are providing better outcomes than the government. And that C, because we know this, regardless of what you do, whether you get involved with me or whether you do it on your own, it is imperative for us to go out and do something about it. Uh, and if you want to learn more, check out the website, we do better.org. And thanks for having me on, Sarah. I don't think I can end it any better than that. So thanks for, for joining us.